a running clock after first downs could certainly help South Carolina's offense. But could it also hurt South Carolina's defense? You are locked on Gamecocks. Your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Before we get on into this Wednesday edition of Locked On Gamecocks, I want to let you all know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. On our Tuesday show, we talked about how there's a couple of potential rule changes that could be coming to college football in the very near future. It could be starting as soon as the upcoming 2023 season. And one of these rule changes would involve there being a running clock every time an offense gets a first down in bounds, of course, unless it is within the final two minutes of any given half. And on yesterday's show, we talked about how that rule change could end up helping South Carolina's offense because of the vast experience that Dow Loggins brings from the NFL ranks, a league where obviously that rule has been implemented for several years now. But admittedly, if we're going to talk about South Carolina's offense, we would be remiss to not talk about South Carolina's defense and talking about how this rule change could subsequently hurt Clayton White's unit. And the reason why I say this is pretty simple. South Carolina, in terms of their rush defense, have struggled mightily in Shane Beamer's first two years here in Columbia. There's not really a whole lot of aspects or areas of the football team or program that has seen a consistent downward trend since Shane Beamer and his coaching staff have arrived here at South Carolina, with the exception of rush defense. In 2021, South Carolina was the third worst team in the SEC defensively in terms of rushing yards allowed per game and yards per carry allowed per game. In 2022, South Carolina did even worse in both of these categories, giving up an average of 198 rushing yards per game, the second worst mark in the SEC, and allowing 4.9 yards per carry. Also, the second worst mark in the SEC. And here's the thing. Heading into spring practice, South Carolina is replacing a ton of experience from that same unit from this past fall. Five of their six starters in the defensive front from 2023 are gone. The only guys that are returning that have a decent amount of starting experience at this particular level are Tonka Hemingway and Alex Boogie Huntley, if you want to throw him out there. But even Boogie Huntley dealt with some injury issues this past season. And the thing is, especially looking at the edge position, there's no clear answer there right now. And it's not that the position is completely devoid of talent, but it's the fact that 
Once you go down a notch or two, there's significant drop-offs subsequently in maybe high-end potential to be able to perform at the SEC level here against the teams that South Carolina is now looking and aiming to beat year in and year out with the daunting schedule that they have every single year. And with this potential rule change of there being a running clock after an offense gets a first down, it's now all the more imperative for Clay White and his assistant coaches on that side of the ball to shore up this area, to find some players that can consistently step up and, again, not maybe necessarily stuff every single opponent on every run that they attempt because, obviously, that would be unrealistic to expect out of South Carolina's defense. But you need to field at least an average rush defense because here's the thing. When you look at South Carolina's big three opponents in terms of their 2023 football schedule, that big three consists of Georgia, Clemson, and Tennessee. And when it came to those teams and their respective running games, all three of these teams ranked 47th or higher in average rushing yards per game in 2022. What that means is this. If South Carolina wants to take the next step with this program, if they want to not be viewed as, you know, a feel-good story, as Shea Bieber put it one time late last season, a 7-8 or eight win program, if they want to be viewed amongst the nation's elite in college football, they're going to have to try to start beating Georgia, Clemson, and Tennessee consistently, not just have one-off years and then go on two, three-year stretches where they don't beat these teams, which also means that part of that process is going to involve them finding a way to stop the opponent's run game. And regarding South Carolina's rush defense as a whole, I will say I am not going to be as concerned about inside runs because I think that, again, South Carolina's deepest unit on this entire football team heading into this next season is the interior defensive line. I think the Gamecocks quite literally go three deep at those positions as long as there's not any potential positional moves that are made with maybe Tonka Hemingway or Elijah Davis, which, of course, we'll find out how all that's going to pan out more so at spring practice. And then you also got the linebacker room, which, yes, loses Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson. But in all fairness, some people might argue that maybe you'll see a little bit better play there at that spot. That's not to take anything away from the two six-year seniors that gave so much to this program and just walked out the door. But in terms of, again, the ceiling that the guys that are stepping into those shoes offer, South Carolina, again, you could say they go three deep now at that spot as well. So the interior ought to be okay. The edge position outside runs is where Clay White and the staff are going to have reason to be concerned. And the thing is, if these runs pile up over the course of a game against, again, someone like a Clemson, maybe a Kentucky who just got Ray Davis from Vanderbilt, and obviously they pride themselves on being a power run type of offense. Maybe someone like a Tennessee who obviously had to play catch up, ironically enough for them, for the majority of their game against South Carolina this past fall. What if this time around it doesn't play out that way? More than likely, it won't admittedly. And Tennessee is able to actually try to establish 
their ground game. This rule change, as much as I talked about on Tuesday, how it could possibly impact Dow Loggins and South Carolina's offense, in the same vein, it could negatively impact Clayton White's South Carolina's defense. Because, again, now, if you feel the defense that cannot consistently stop the run, then that is going to hurt your team. Because it's not going to necessarily mean that the opponent has the ball for longer. We can't view time of possession like that anymore. With the way today's game is, time of possession now has to be viewed as time that your offense doesn't have the football. And it does not matter how efficient, how solid South Carolina's offense could be in 2023, especially in some of these bigger games. If South Carolina's defense cannot step up to the plate and change the bad trend that they have been showing over the last two years in terms of their rush defense. This rule change could definitely have paradoxical results for South Carolina's offensive and defensive coaching staffs. So it'll be interesting to see how all of that plays out when it comes time to play the games in September all the way throughout the fall. Now speaking of South Carolina's football team, we're getting closer and closer to spring practice as I mentioned earlier. And South Carolina released some updated numbers in terms of the height and weight for some of South Carolina's newcomers, along with some of the returners. And I have to say, just based on the pure numbers alone, it sounds like that Luke Day and his strength and conditioning staff have really helped morph this team into more of an SEC football team. We're going to talk about all of that in more detail in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and maybe even three-pointers made in a contest. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss out on your chance to get your no-sweat first bet, again, up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with fanduel an official sports betting partner of the nba welcome back to today's edition of the locked on gamecocks podcast we cover your south carolina gamecocks every single day Day. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen or watch here today. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Based on some of the updated weights, for South Carolina's football team, ranging from some of the early enrollees from the high school ranks, some of their transfer additions, and also some of the returners on the roster. South Carolina 
is starting to resemble more of a top-tier SEC football program. So let's start the discussion here with some of the notable early enrollees. Marquis Anderson comes in at six foot four, three oh seven. Elijah Davis comes in at six foot three, two hundred eighty-five pounds. A little bit interesting that he's leaving a little bit of room, it seems like, to potentially play outside. Again, we'll see how all that plays out once spring practice officially starts. Grayson Pup Howard, y'all, he's already apparently a beast in terms of his physical and tangible. Six foot four. 242 pounds. He's already tailor-made to play the linebacker position in the SEC. Xavier McLeod, 6'5", 320 pounds. Same deal with him in terms of playing the interior on the defensive line in the SEC. Lenoris Sellers, 6'3", 232. Just a massive frame for a quarterback on an SEC football program. Now, for some of the notable transfer additions, Mario Anderson out of Newberry comes in at 5'9", 208 pounds. Sidney Fugar, apparently not too long ago, weighed 332 pounds. Well, he's apparently trimmed off 17 pounds and is now listed at 315 pounds. Yale offensive lineman Nick Gargiulo, who's expected to probably be the starter at center for this team this year, went from 290 pounds to 310 pounds. Jerron Willis, the linebacker transfer out of Ole Miss, went from 220 pounds to 235 pounds. And then you look at two returners for South Carolina, Ryan Brubaker and Terrell Dawkins, both have gained 10 pounds. Brubaker is now listed at 305 pounds, and Dawkins is now officially listed at 260 pounds. The math for some of these weight changes, by the way, was done originally by Gamecock Central's Colin Taylor, who did some of the legwork for these weight numbers. So, this, in my opinion, is a really good sign for South Carolina's football team. And I know, obviously, that this is probably not something that fans are going to talk about as much in terms of how tall a guy is and how much a guy weighs. Because obviously, when you play the sport of football, size does not mean everything. It certainly helps, but obviously, you've got skills that need to be involved that are specific to the sport. You've got other athletic traits that you need to see out of these guys, especially when you are playing SEC football. But the thing that really sticks out to me is the fact that you are seeing this not just with guys that have been in the program for a couple of years. You're seeing this with guys that just joined the program in January. Both guys that have been around the block for a couple of years in college football and other guys that are just arriving to college and have yet to even go through a spring practice period yet with this football team. And I think that that really goes to show how much buy-in there is right now with Shane Beamer and this football program. Because obviously, you know, it sounds extremely cliche to say, but when it comes to trying to build a championship contender in sports, obviously you need to have the right coaches. You need to have the right players. You want to have certain characteristics that sort of encapsulates what your football program is all about. But one of the most important things that is not palpable, something that does not get discussed as often, but is extremely important for a team like South Carolina, is having continuous buy-in from everyone in the program to a certain degree. Obviously, you're not going to get the same amount of buy-in with every single football player, but 
when you see this kind of work being put in from guys that are, you know, rising seniors, maybe guys that are hoping to go on to the NFL this next spring, all the way down to guys that quite literally could be going through high school prom, as many people have liked to put it now in the next couple of months. When you're seeing that kind of buy-in ranging from all these levels, it really says a lot about Shane Beamer and this staff and how much these kids are really listening to what it is that these guys are preaching. And that says a lot in my eyes. And the other thing is, we don't know if this is all coming from the coaches. Who knows? Maybe some of the senior players on this team have stepped up as real vocal leaders. You have to imagine that that is part of what's taking place here. Maybe Spencer Rattler, who admittedly was coming in as a transfer from outside the program this past offseason, maybe he now feels comfortable enough to where, look, he can step up and say something to the younger guys during these winter workouts. And you need to have that. Because if South Carolina wants to take the next step as a football program, if they want to be a contender in the SEC East, if they want to eventually knock off the Georgia Bulldogs, everybody has got to be pulling in the same direction. And it seems like, again, just based off of some of these numbers, that South Carolina's football program, the football team, is showing that in spades right now with their offseason strength and conditioning programming. All right, now for the final portion of today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, I want to talk some baseball with all of you because, my gosh, Mark Kingston and his squad have had one heck of a start to the 2023 baseball season. The Gamecocks took the field on Tuesday night against the Winthrop Eagles, and South Carolina wound up clobbering Winthrop, winning by a final score of 19-3. So the main storyline coming out of this midweek game is pretty simple. This batting lineup is so balanced through the variety of ways that they have shown up to this point in the season they can impact the game. Just on Tuesday night, South Carolina's lineup drew 11 walks from Winthrop and got 14 hits, including Five home runs recorded by four different players in the lineup. This means that in four games to start this baseball season, South Carolina has scored 69 runs, drawn 29 walks, and hit 19 home runs collectively as a team. In terms of the runs that have been scored and the home runs that have been hit, the Gamecocks lead all of Division I college baseball in both of those categories right now. This is the kind of lineup and collective approach that you want to see throughout the course of this season, not just in non-conference play, but also throughout SEC play, the SEC tournament, and going into the NCAA regionals and beyond. And it's the kind of approach that can take a team deep into the postseason, maybe even to Omaha, because right now, South Carolina's batting lineup, they are showing the ability to hit the ball out of the yard. They are showing the ability to get some base hits when needed, being able to do these simple things when maybe they've got runners in scoring position, and also be able to have some patience and fight against opposing pitchers and not just 
be easy outs at the plate. The really good teams in college baseball show all of these traits. So far, South Carolina's baseball team is showing that in just the first four games of this season. And again, I know some of y'all are going to sit there and say, Andrew, it's UMass Lowell, which no one had heard of before they had even played the Riverhawks this past weekend, and it's Winthrop. No offense to Winthrop, they're not going to be like a Clemson. They're not going to be like Tennessee or Florida in SEC play. And yes, you would be right in terms of talent, but my gosh, at what point do we sit here and say that this baseball team is just firing on all cylinders right now? Who else is doing what South Carolina has done offensively to start this season? I'm sure that there's a few other teams out there that you could find whose numbers maybe aren't too far behind the Gamecocks. But I gotta say, there's probably not many of them out there. So, this batting lineup, it is quite impressive what they've done up to this point in the season. I mentioned this on Tuesday's show, recapping this past weekend series. You gotta credit Monty Lee for this. Monty Lee's approach with these guys, whatever he's doing... Obviously, you're going to hope that that continues to happen throughout the course of this season because it is clear that in just the first week of the season, South Carolina is already a completely different team in terms of their approach at the plate. Now, the secondary storyline coming out of this game is freshman Eli Jersenbeck and his solid first career outing as a college pitcher. Now, Jersenbeck probably did not go as far into the game as he would have liked. He only pitched four innings against Winthrop on Tuesday night. But Eli Jersenbeck did do pretty solid in his time out there. He gave up four hits total in this game, one earned run, and struck out four batters on just 62 pitches. So it's quite clear based on the pitch count that he probably could have stayed out there a little bit longer, but that Mark Kingston wanted to see what both he and Eli Jones could do. Jones was a touch up and down in his outing, didn't do too bad overall, but we're talking about Eli Jerzenbeck here. This is probably the most highly anticipated debut that we have seen from a Gamecock pitcher in several seasons now. And that was also made even more evident by the fact that it was tweeted out by some of the other beat reporters here in the Columbia Media Circle that there were dozens of scouts that were here in attendance for this game. And no doubt, they were here to probably see, in part, Eli Jerzenbeck go to work on the mound. And based on what I saw, Jerzenbeck has got a ton of potential to be a dominant pitcher for South Carolina and in college baseball as a whole. He has good action on his fastball and also his breaking stuff. But the dangerous part about Jerzenbeck for opponents is he doesn't just have a bunch of movement but no command. He's got the best of both worlds. He's got great movement with all of his pitches, but he also can spot pitches more often than not. And when he figures it out completely with all of his pitches throughout the course of this season and the duration of his career here in Columbia... Jerzenbeck is probably going to be the next Will Sanders of this pitching staff as a guy that offers a lot for South Carolina and for teams that are looking for some young pitchers at the next level in Major League Baseball. The only real issue that I sort of spotted with Eli Jerzenbeck at times on Tuesday night was he seemed to have a bit of trouble commanding his high fastballs, which of course I'm sure that he meant to throw some of them outside of the strike zone to try to get guys to chase them, but even with those pitches, he seemed to be spotting them a little bit higher than he probably would have liked, and obviously, again, not going to nitpick too much with that. It's his first career start, and it's probably something that you can attribute to some adrenaline that he had considering just 
how long he's probably been waiting for this game to take place. But now that he's gotten that first game behind him, I would look for Eli Jerzenbeck to have a long, illustrious career here at South Carolina and maybe be the next great Gamecock pitcher to come out of Columbia. But with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. But y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are your thoughts on the rule change regarding the running clock after first downs and how it could negatively impact South Carolina's defense? What are your thoughts on some of these numbers coming out from the strength conditioning programming here at South Carolina with the football team and what it could potentially mean in terms of buy-in at each level of the roster. And lastly, what were your thoughts on South Carolina's dominant showing against Winthrop on Tuesday night on the baseball diamond? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter. If you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, and I'll try to respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And once again, y'all, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second watch or listen now that you have watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>